Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And today we are talking with Shannon Weinstein. Shannon and I connected in another group coaching program, which is the beautiful aspect of online coaching and online mentoring and learning and group format, that we get connected with people from all over the place. So Shannon and I connected and I knew she was a chartered accountant, but she also has this fitness background and she has some really cool aspects to her story and what she does. And she's got a great sense of humor that I absolutely connected with online. So I knew I wanted to have her on the call. And we chatted about a lot of different things today, especially being right in the middle of this pandemic right now where businesses are closed and the online world is booming and people are not sure what to do next. That... It really brings about a lot of fear, scarcity in our aspect of money and what to do next. But we didn't just chat about money. We talked about why she went the route that she did and how fitness was a part of that and how she helps people from the back, the ground up with their business to get in the right steps. And she gave us some really good tips to take home as far as where can we start right now with our business and what we can do. And I just loved it. I loved every single thing about this episode. So I know you're going to love it. Dive in and you're going to want to connect with Shannon and follow her because A, she's got a great sense of humor and B, she really gives a lot of value in what she shares with you. So this would be a great episode. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for being here, Shannon. Thank you, Marsha. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So let's start with some few questions so people can get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you from? So I'm from Boston originally, but I live in Connecticut now. Nice. What is your favorite book? Do you have a favorite book? Or an impactful book or something that has made a difference for you in your life? I, I do read a lot. And by read, I mean listen to audiobooks in the car. But my favorite so far has been Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harbecker. Uh, I just had Jen Kennedy on the podcast last week and she mentioned it and I'm like halfway through again. I, I've read yeah. it before, but it's been a long time. Yeah. So that's not really a big surprise that that's one of your favorites, but I definitely, I do back into it again. It's quick read, just going through it and some great points. Absolutely. There are so many that I recommend, but that's one of the ones that stands out. It's probably one of the first ones I mentioned when people say, uh, what books do you recommend I read around money? So mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Do you have a favorite quote or something that grounds you? Yes. Actually, it's the best advice my dad ever gave me, mm-hmm. which is don't apply permanent solutions to temporary problems. Okay. Um, I think we can actually come back to that one because that's, that's really good, actually. Um, do you have a favorite mentor or somebody, and it can be somebody you know or don't know, but a mentor who has impacted your life? 
Uh, there have been so many. Uh, my dad comes to mind, obviously. He's been a big mentor of mine, realistically. Uh, but there are definitely some that I follow from afar, as most people do nowadays on social media and other things. So he comes to mind most prominently, but there are so many between what I do in fitness and what I do in business. Um, really, there's like a mentor for everything. See, I love that you said that because I, I think that we can look – there's, there's people that we can connect to everywhere that can be mentors. Like they're really, really, there's no shortage. There's no shortage. If you really are starting in who connects, who do you connect with message wise, et cetera. And who do you vibe with? So I love that. Um, what lifts you up? What drives you? What keeps you going? Helping people and trying to just make the world a better place to give you like a Miss America answer, but it's kind of just helping people find success and to stand on their own two feet. Mm. That's awesome. What does success mean to you? Uh, success means for me, it's fulfillment in terms of getting to make choices based on what you truly desire. And just being happy, just being happy and uh, fulfilled in what you're doing and in your life. I love that. I love that. So we probably chatted for 30 minutes before we hit record, which does happen sometimes with podcasts. So we're going to dive into some of the topics that we talked about. Um, I would love for you to share a little bit of your story about how it started out as this is what I'm doing. How did you end up in accounting? And we will dive in and, and shift from there. So I, I've been a CPA for about 10 years now. I actually became an accountant. Uh, you know, I, I went to school for accounting. I, um, I majored in accounting because I lost a bet with my dad in high school, which was... Uh, <laughs> I want to you share the bet? Yeah. So my dad and I were super competitive growing up and he decided one day and he was a CPA and I worked for him a little bit when I was younger, just doing some sort of odd jobs, um, almost like playing office when I was a kid, right? Like it was just kind of fun. And uh, one day he said, okay, Shan, it looks like your class off your um, high school offers accounting. And uh, I had to take a certain requirement in high school to do like what they called practical arts. So you had like typing, accounting, basic office and software and, and things like that. So I took that class. My dad said, if you take it and you hate it, I'll never ask you to be an accountant again. If you love it, you need to major in it. Oh, so, okay. So hopefully, I mean, you did actually love it because it, yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I actually did love it a couple of weeks in during like the parent teacher things that they do. Uh, the, the teacher actually said, I'm moving Shannon into honors accounting with the seniors because she's getting over a hundred average on these tests. Oh. And that's not like a brag. That was just a, I took to this stuff. Like it was the alphabet. Like I, I understood this stuff and said, what this is easy. This is simple math. This is the easy concepts to figure out. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is listen and digest it and rid yourself of any assumptions about what these things mean. You just have to kind of be open to learning it and it will make sense. And my dad, when I talked to him about how I thought it was really easy, he said, Shan, this is a language not a lot of people speak. 
and and to make an impact you need to 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 dive into this because well, it's almost yeah. you just you have to speak the language right like you yeah. and you, in order to make an impact you have to speak the language and you speak the language it's easy yeah. to do mm-hmm. yeah and and he saw that as an opportunity for me in my career but also for me in my passion for helping other people because he knew that was something i loved to do and i liked being I mean, I liked working in customer service. I worked when I was, from the day I turned 14, I was always like customer driven. Like I always wanted to help people. So he saw that and said, this is how you can do that. Mm, That's awesome. So then fast forward, you worked as an accountant. So you've been 10 years now, but then you really started to dive into the fitness as well. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit how that angle happened. Yeah, these these things are not exactly peanut butter and jelly for most people. Um, I I went to so I started working at a big four firm. I worked uh, at a large global firm and ended up working crazy hours, the typical public accounting lifestyle that you see. Um, I worked in consulting for that firm. I was traveling, you know, four or five days a week, and I was constantly grinding. And I found that when I was home. I found a lot of comfort in this community that was built around a studio I went to for Zumba. So I started going to Zumba classes and I started meeting people through that and meeting other friends that weren't in my field. So it was, it was like a refreshing break from my career and talking about work and just getting to dance and let loose and have fun and literally be in that flow state for an hour where nothing else matters, you leave all your crap at the door and you get to actually dance and sweat and have fun. And it was almost therapeutic to get through the stress I was dealing with with my job. See, and I just I, I just laughed for a second, not at you, but I, the first time I tried Zumba, um, there's many years ago, I was very much a perfectionist. And I remember being in a class and I was at the front because I'm going to learn how to do this. And I'm, I'm like literally like, like a, almost like a rigid robot trying to follow the moves. And I'm getting so pissed off because I can't, I can't even come close to it. And I turned around, I'm like, how am I the only one not getting it? I turn around to the class and they're jamming out dancing in anything they feel like and having a time of their life. And I'm like, Marcia, you're missing the whole point. <laughs> you're missing yeah. the whole we like point. Like to say in Zumba, we say there's no such thing as a wrong move, just an unexpected solo. Oh. Yes. <laughs> there's really, I always say to my class before every class, especially if there are new folks, I said, you showed up, you're moving, you're already winning do not judge yourself for not getting the moves because there are ladies in my class who've been taking my class for three plus years and doing the same songs because they won't let me change the song. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of, it's not a matter of getting it right. It's the fact that you're showing up dancing and having fun and it's how you feel. It's all about how you feel. And I really just, I found that and I, I really kind of leaned into that and, uh, it's so funny. I look back on it. One thing leads to another. I started with Zumba. I did other classes. I got certified through other trade associations and I've been in the fitness industry now for seven years as an instructor doing several different formats, not just dance based, but I, now I do hit workouts, boot camps, and all these other things. And I cannot believe I'm here doing that stuff because I thought I was, you know, the chubby girl in the back row for years of taking Zumba classes and never thought I would be an instructor, didn't think I looked like an instructor, didn't think I moved like an instructor because my instructors were so talented. 
I, I always looked up to them and thought, oh, it'd be so cool to be in their shoes one day. And what I realized was all I had to do was get over that thought to go do it. There was really no other prerequisite. So I have to ask this because how, where was the shift in that? Like, that's obviously, you're not alone in this. And a lot of people would think, but I don't look like I should be an instructor. I don't look like the rest of them. And really, if you just find the energy in that to own the space, it just doesn't matter. But where did the shift come for you to do that? I think it was seeing instructors. I got to give a shout out to my instructors who had taught me who also didn't look like instructors, but yet they were my favorite because they brought all this energy and personality. And I realized that like an instructor doesn't have a shape. An instructor has a personality and has a persona that they deliver, but it's not about what they look like. And it's also not about some type of physique. It's about how they make you feel And I felt like such a badass in these girls' classes, and I was hooked. I absolutely loved their classes, and it gave me the confidence because I was thinking, well, if that was what was holding me back, like, there's evidence in front of me that that makes no sense. Right. And every time you have evidence, right, then that is just, it just proof, proves to yourself over and over that whatever you're saying is just not true. It's not true. We believe it. We hold on to things that aren't true all the time. Um, so you've got, we've got the CPA, CPA over here. We've got fitness instructor over here. And the two fields have meshed, would you say? Like, do they both like complement each other? Are you participating both? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The everything I do now in my business connects back to something I learned in fitness. Mm. And it's just back and forth and back and forth. So as you go through this, then we're looking at it and you're going like, okay, I want to show up more in fitness and I love what I do CPA. So do you find right now, like, um, we are right in this, I hate to use the pandemic thing, but we are, that's where we are right now. We are in the, the time of where things are definitely shut down more. We're, we're really online. And for some of us, we've been building an online business for the last couple of years. So this is not new. Whereas there are some people going like, crap, how do I figure out Zoom? Like, what do I do with this? So I know you've been in this space, right? And we were talking a little bit before we started in the fact that um, I think that this is a real time where, especially as a CPA, must be interesting. Now, you're American or Canadian, but we all know these are human experiences. They're not um, isolated to where we're from. But is the fact that money is a scary topic right now for a lot of people. I mean, it's always been, money has always been a trigger. You want a trigger topic that can hit people pretty fast is usually money, good, bad, or whatever. But it's got, it's a big topic right now, isn't it? Yeah. And I like to use the the comparison that people are more apt to talk about their sex life than they are to talk about their money. Oh my God. How true is this? That is so true. How did it get so taboo? And yet it's such a universal experience. You know, it's like, we all have money. We all have our own relationship with money. We all go through this experience as humans who live in this world right now, regardless of where you're from. And yet we never talk about it. And it's, it's almost like the taboo nature of, of talking about relationships or your sex life. But it's, I mean, it's part of the human experience. It's like, why is it not talked about more? Mm-hmm. 
It's, it's a really good, I think that's a really good um, point. I was listening to Chris Harder's podcast this morning and he was saying how there will be more bankruptcies filed in the States than there will be deaths from the coronavirus. But he said there will also be more businesses created, millionaires created. Like you, it's all which way you look at it. But at this point, it, I mean, we all know we use it safe for a rainy day, plan for things that don't, you know, for things to not go right. Well, this is a such an out of control experience as I usually, I talk a lot about we ownership and controlling what we can control and which is always us, nothing else. We think we have control of all these other things we don't at all. This experience is bringing this, I believe, face-to-face with the fact that we actually don't have control. We have control over what we do and what we choose to do. So I think that, I mean, you can elaborate a little bit more. I know you've been getting more and more messages from people. This is bringing some of those issues of hiding or where the money situation is at, like completely out in the forefront. Absolutely. And people are starting to ask questions about money that they've had for years that they never actually asked before because of maybe fear. Um, A lot of it is I've discovered fear of the uncertainty, fear of the unknown. It's like if I don't look at my bank account balance, I don't have to worry about it. Mm. Is that where the fear of the unknown is gone? That if I don't look, it's not not a problem. Yeah, it's kind of the monster under the bed that we never got over. Mm Mm-hmm. I remember reading once about like the energy that you even put in towards checking your account. And if you're down to like $10, celebrate the hell out of the $10 you have, as opposed to going like, Oh, I actually write when we went through a really challenging time, probably nine years ago when I left, um, I left a brick and mortar business that I owned and it was a really financially challenging time for us. And I got, I was doing reading and listening and, and I came across the practice of writing like thank you for the zero balance in my bills thank you for that so I remember the first time I took it to my accountant he's like what is this <laughs> that's my practice I do that with my and he's like honestly the look on his face is like that's weird like that's yeah, really weird I would love that I would love it because all over it, my bills all over that's so great thank you for this because we don't realize how privileged we are sometimes to be able to, it's a mindset shift people to be able to pay these things and to have the opportunity to create a business where we actually, yeah, we have expenses, but a lot of it is investments in our future. A lot of it's investments in our growth. And it's so important to appreciate the things that you are exchanging value on. Like it should be worthwhile to you. Oh, I love that. Is you just gave a really good tip. Is there a couple of tips or something in the forefront of your mind that you can give people about money that might shift, especially in the state where we are right now with a lot of unknown? I mean, some some people just our jobs are gone. They're just and it's not that I'm working from home. There is no income. It's gone. So just how do you help people with um, creating that shift in that kind of energy in that space? Right. So of course the tactics will be different based on the scenario that each individual person is in and what their skill set is and background and all of that. Right. So for me though, it starts with the mentality of basically you've had a disruption. It's not the end of the world. You're not defined by your career. You're not defined by your job title. How many people do you know that when they introduce themselves at parties, right? They say like, hi, hi, Shannon, nice to meet you. What do you do? Or 
you know, when you say, if, if Marsha sends me a bio and she says, well, like the first sentence is going to be, I'm a CPA who blah, blah, blah. Like we have to let go of the identity of how we pay our mortgage being part of the identity. Like how we pay our mortgage is not who we are. Mm, I love that. That's really what it comes down to how we, cause, cause we are part of this economy where we contribute value based on our skill set. We earn money and we, we become part of the cycle. That's all it really is, is it's a, we're all just part of this whole system. And at the end of the day, it does not define who you are and you are able to pivot. You don't need permission and you don't need to, you don't have to think in terms of what, well, what's my next step? What's my logical next step? Um, that's something I adopted early on when I left my accounting firm I worked for because I was terrified because I had no carved out path in front of me. I had all these choices of what I could do. And I want people to see see this as a set of opportunities and choices on how you can redirect your career and your life as opposed to thinking it is a detour sign or a stop sign. Or stop sign. I was just going to say, or stop sign. People get stuck yeah. thinking this is a, a stop sign. I mean, I've even written out in my journal in the morning. It's like, this is, thank you for the opportunity to see what I need to see. Like, it's just, or thank you for the space to see. So it's just in how we, how we see that. You talked about pivots and changes in there. And when you, like you started with an, a big accounting firm and now you work on your own. So that was a big, like that was a transition, I'm assuming. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, it was terrifying because I hit a point with my firm where I unfortunately had a, a family event. My, my father passed away when I was about six years or seven years into the firm. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the practice that I was in was 100% travel. And they essentially told me to go back on the road after about a five-day bereavement leave. And I, I said, I don't want to, I, I, I can't go travel by myself and go through this. I was actually having panic attacks at work. It's five and days though. This is like, that's not even a, like, that's just not even a, yeah. No, I, I couldn't even binge watch a whole season of anything. Sorry. <laughs> you got to understand the humor. <laughs> no, and actually, I, and, and, and the truth is, I actually sat there for about two solid weeks, 24-7, and binge-watched Breaking Bad, which was I'd, probably not the best show to watch in that situation, but it well, was my outlet of just, like, I didn't want to do anything. It, it, yeah. Everyone deals with it in their own way, and I just gravitated towards, I just want to, like, yeah. shut down for a little bit because I was go, go, go and trying to be busy. And then eventually I just, yeah. I got drained. So, um, but I realized that I became a number at that big firm and that it wasn't really about me as a person. It was about go back and churn out the revenue. And I just said, you know what, at this point in my life, I love my firm. Don't get me wrong. I would, I would always respect them and recommend people go to work at a big four firm. But at that point in my life, I realized it wasn't what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. It was something that I appreciated and I'm ever grateful for the background they gave me and the skills I learned there. It, it's just invaluable. But after a certain point, I had that experience and realized this is the wake up call I needed to make a change mm-hmm. and to prioritize myself over the company and stop worrying about progressing my career so much and start looking back inward into what would actually serve me well 
and be able to live my life and be happy. There, I mean, I commend you for making that decision at that time. And I'm sure that was a really difficult, obviously a very difficult time, but it, you said so many good points there for everybody is the fact that just knowing like, this is not what I needed right now. This is not, this is not what I needed right now. This is not what I need to be surrounded around and having the courage to make that shift and to make that, and a lot of people ask me all the time, well, how do you, like, how do you get courage? You don't have courage. I don't have courage. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I call courage a verb. You grow it because you do things in your life. You, you take action and you do things in your life that actually will help you to build that, you know, staying, we've all stayed in circumstances that weren't serving us. All of us have done it. And we know the feeling of what that feels like. And then you decided that, no, that's not what I want to feel. I want to feel something else. Exactly. And I actually grew because of that experience. I grew to despise the question, where do you see yourself in five years? Oh, so why do you despise that question? Because no answer I've ever given actually happened. Mm -hmm. And it was not for the lack of trying and it was not for the lack of ambition or anything like that. It was just that I had, you, you don't have a telescope to see your future. You only see the next few things. And for me, five years, so much can happen in five years. In a, in a span of five years, what happened to me in my career completely did a 180 on me. And losing my dad was a piece of that. And once I lost him, I said, you know what? I, I will never know what will happen in five, because five years is how long he had from diagnosis to him passing. Oh, wow. So that number even probably is, uh, yeah, I understand. So it's like so much can happen in five years. I mean, look what can happen in a few weeks. I was just going to say COVID. It's like, seriously, what is the point of, of speculating and setting yourself an expectation of where you're going to be in five years and then end up disappointed most likely because there are so many things out of your control that can happen. Mm -hmm. But I would rather say, what are your next three like, what are your three goals right now for either a shorter period of time or what are you currently working towards? I like that better. It's like, what are you trying to do right now to get a certain outcome? Because if you see, where do you see yourself in five years? It's very, very difficult to, uh, to measure that. And I feel like when you try to answer that question, it brings up a lot of stuff for me because it, I'm thinking, oh gosh, what could happen in the next five years? And there's so many things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. I I honestly couldn't agree more on any of that. I honestly couldn't. I've, um, I'm coming up on a major milestone birthday this week. And when I think of what this last decade has given us as far as some of the most difficult life lessons and experiences I've ever experienced. Um, and then I'm going to, so we're going to celebrate it in isolation in a, in a weird, right? Like it's like, even anyways, it's another whole story, but it's just, it's like what I couldn't have predicted this. And for even with the vision boards, I'm a big, I, I don't have a problem with vision boards. I don't, but I think we should actually visualize the action steps we're taking that are going to create that. Like I actually tell my clients, like, again, same thing. What are the three action steps you're going to take? That picture's really nice on your wall. And it's a great thing to maybe just put in your mind to see as a possibility. But if you put half of the energy into focusing on the steps you're going to take every day, that's a no brainer. Like it's a no brainer. 
Yeah, it's just like the concept of manifesting. I think those who understand the manifestation mm-hmm. concept understand that it's all about focus on what you want and then having your actions translate. Actions speak louder than words, right? So you have to you have to actually act on these goals and they will, it's more about focusing on them and having your blinders on and saying, this is what I want to achieve. But instead of just dreaming it about dreaming about it every night, it's actually taking the steps forward to get there. And I, I do something similar. I have notes with my goals on it on my desktop, like little sticky notes mm-hmm. um, that I just read and look at whenever yes. I'm working because it helps me stay focused on, Oh, that's what I'm, shooting for. That's right. Um, it's like a reminder, but it's not a, you know, a, a, a glorious uh, vision of the future. It's, it's just a few things. And if I achieve some and not others, it's okay. It's just, this is what I'm striving for right now. And what my actions should be leading me towards. This is uh, the North star I'm, I'm trying to get to. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think there's so much value in what you just said there. So you now are practicing as a CPA. You also, I mean, if we're going to follow you on Instagram, we're going to see really good. I said one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is I love how you speak in the sense that it's very bold, but it's also educational. It's very, um, the facts are there money wise. And, but then there's also this fitness aspect of you. So did you say at one point that when you started working or just being around the fitness professionals so much, you were shocked at how people were not looking at or taking care of their finances while they worked in that field. Is that, is that a general statement? Did you say something to that effect before? Yeah. And I'm not knocking fitness professionals. No, no, I, no I've been one. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So when it comes to the fitness industry, I'd say there's such a variety in the fitness industry. So many different types of people are involved in the industry. And I'll, I'll, I'll just assume that like the most pure fitness professional is someone who maybe went to school for exercise science. They're familiar with anatomy. They're familiar with physiology, kinesiology, if I said that correctly, you um, kinesiology. So uh, it's really important to understand that they don't have necessarily a business background. There are some folks like me who are hobby instructors who have backgrounds from all other fields. I mean, at the studio where I worked, we had someone who worked in physics, who was an engineer, we had somebody who worked at a television station, someone who worked at a bank, and then you had me who was an accountant. It was like a whole different mix of people. And we had, um, sorry, I just froze for a second. Yes. Yeah. And, And within that studio, we had so many different types of people. And it really made me realize that uh, I came, I mean, having diverse backgrounds in front of you makes you realize that your background is unique and that not everyone has the same experiences as you. And I became really grateful that I was raised by my dad, who was an accountant, and he taught me very, very young how certain things work with money that I could use no matter what my career was, even if it was just basically insurance, how to reconcile a checkbook, how to like how loans work, how interest rates work and credit cards. Like he taught me those things, things when I was a teenager. And um, I'm sure someone is listening to this and thinking, wow, like I didn't learn that. And that's what I mean is I didn't know that wasn't normal (laughs) until I chatted with some other folks and they were asking me questions and I not coming from a place of judgment. I was surprised to find out this wasn't common sense. 
No, it's not. It's not. I, I, I have always had a really strong business background and I think it's just, I've been raised with a dad who's been an entrepreneur for years. Like he, that's literally what he did. And so I would see all different sides of it. And then I taught a course at college at our local college on business entrepreneurship for health professionals. And I used to take them through building their business and then they had to do like a shark tank pitch for me. And I, I secretly would always laugh because their business models and getting to the term. I'm like, yeah, they're all going to fail. Like they're never going to be because they would just create this massive elaborate thing. And then they get halfway through the term and they're like, Oh crap, we don't have any money for anything that we want to do. And it's just because we're dreamers, but I get you said it there. So well is that I've always said that just because you're the best or really good in your profession doesn't mean you're great in your profession in business. It's two oh, absolutely. different things, yeah. right? It's true. Yeah. You don't learn business. Like somebody said to me just recently, last month, but I don't know and understand business, but they were in business. And I was like, there's no excuse for that anymore because there's, I mean, there's everything at your fingertips and Google, I no judgment again, but it's available. We can choose to take it, but it is available. And so I think in health professionals, as I have, I'm surrounded by them regularly is it's your responsibility to, to learn how to do that or find somebody who you can work with. And I can relate because I was a CPA who was trying to teach fitness classes. Mm-hmm. So like I, I have a background in anatomy or, or anything. Yeah. And um, I decided to do that and get certified, but I studied. I, I was taking, I've, I've taken a certification every other year to keep up my skills. And I have seven years under my belt of learning and c- continuous uh, learning and, and education. Um, I can speak to topics with exercise science um, majors who work in the fitness field. Like we talk about, um, you know, things like epoch. Like we, we can talk about these things um, and we share in these concepts. And it's because I just committed to learning. I said, well, I'm going to have people's um, bodies and I'm going to have people's health in my hands and they're going to be following my instruction. I better know what the heck I'm doing mm-hmm. because I'm the lifeguard now. I don't get to fall back and say, well, I'm just an accountant. I don't really know what I'm doing with fitness. It's like, yeah, but you're here and you're at the front of the class and we're doing what you say. You have a responsibility to educate yourself to protect yes. the people you're serving. And that goes exactly the other way around. I couldn't agree more. It does. It is work, but it's part of the commitment you make when you decide to be in that position or in that role. So if you don't know it, there's still tons of free resources available to learn it. It's overwhelming. It's not, it's not my area of expertise by any means. It's overwhelming, but there's lots of people you can reach out to, to ask. Yeah. And to your point, countless mentors, um, endless information available for free online. And you, you, the point you're bringing up, Marsha, reminds me of an amazing book that I hope everyone reads called The E-Myth. Yes, um, I actually was going to pull that one back out again because it was yeah. just recommended to me by a mentor. I think I've read it three or four times, but yes. Yeah, The E-Myth is wonderful because it talks about the personalities of, it actually goes through a woman who is a, an, um, a passionate baker. Like she loves baking pies. And someone says to her, you should open a bakery. And she's like, that's a great idea. I can bake pies all day. Mm-hmm. And we all know that if you okay, tell the story, tell the story, the last thing that you're going to do is bake all day. 
you've got so many other responsibilities as a business owner. Same thing with personal trainers or fitness professionals. If you become a business owner, if you want to open a gym, guess what? You're not training clients anymore. No. And people don't realize that. They think that it's what they do, but more of it. And that's totally the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're going to have responsibilities as a business owner that you may not like, like the accounting, like the admin, hiring, firing people, and having to manage all of that while also maintaining your facility, dealing with repairs, maintenance issues. Like, it's a massive responsibility to be a business owner. It's not just about doing more of something that you really enjoy. And that's more of what they call the technician in the book versus the entrepreneur who is the one who wants to create the business to solve the problem. And the technician is the reliable employee or manager that can um, execute. So it's a really great book to read if you're thinking about uh, business ownership, because there's nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur. There is nothing wrong with being no. a phenomenal technician and being of high value to a business. Mm -hmm. There is no shame in not having your own business. If there's something you really love to do, it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship at the end of the day. No, I love that. Well, and the thing is, is that for an entrepreneur to run their business requires all of the other components. So it's like we need, everybody has their, their um, zone of genius that we can excel in. And, and that's the thing is, is, so I think when you read the e-myth, you can look at it and go, okay, this is me, but if I'm going to actually make this happen, I need this, this, this to be part of it. And that's the, and anybody who, I have lots of people who help me with my business and they would laugh if I ever even thought for a second I was a technician because I'm totally not, <laughs> not the technician. And the idea is that's not me. Um, with, where we are right now with um, COVID and where life is going and what's happening could you give everybody one, two tips or something about from here moving forward, like what's the best ways for people to, to move forward in this environment? Yeah. And I think uh, you were hitting on this before and I was going to mention that one of the, the mistakes I'm seeing is people just acting out of fear in that scarcity mindset. So um, coming from a place of, of fear and what I mean by that is, if you're actually afraid to, um, if you're actually afraid to look at your uh, bank account or check your balance, or because you're afraid of what you're going to see because of the uncertainty, it's not really a way to live. You don't want to be worried about that. Um, you want to be confident and know what's going to be in there. You don't want to even have it be uncertain. You want to take ownership of that and just address it head on, like the monster under the bed. Um, we actually, and here's one way to do that, what me and my husband do, which I love, is we have quarterly uh, business meetings, the two of us, and we go through all of our accounts, all of our stuff, and we kind of plan and just open up all the balances and everything, look at where we're spending our money, look where it's, look where it's currently sitting, and we game plan. Like It becomes like a strategy meeting. Like We kind of have a meeting with the CFO, right? And it becomes more of a more of a normal thing that you don't have to fear. It really doesn't make any sense to do that. It's almost like a way in for your fitness. It's just coming in and checking how are we doing? What do we need to adjust? And how do we make sure we're successful? And it's not really a taboo thing in our house. It's, it's very normal to talk about. Um, so that's one thing. You just have to shift how you approach it. And also managing from your bank account balance. Once you do 
look at your bank account and let's say it's not low. Let's say it's actually, you know, you just had a big launch. You just had a big influx of cash. You just had a, you know, you've been signing up virtual clients and now you have this business and it's taking off. Don't get too excited <laughs> and think all of that money is available for you to spend. Like you said, we try to save up for a rainy day. Um, this is definitely a rainy day situation, but I want you to be mindful when it's not like this, that at any point out of our control, things can change. So you just want to be operating at a normal pace and not get too um, ambitious with how you're spending your money, you know, when it's not a, you know, a down, down time. I love that. That's really good. That's just, it's so simple, but it's really, really good. And I like the whole, don't be afraid. Like, don't be afraid. But I mean, the more fear you put into it, I have known people, um, and I'm sure there was a point in time in my life, but I've known people where it's like, they won't even open up their mail and they just hide it and they yeah. from their spouse. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, the, the minimum payment of $50 now has become like 500 because you're not paying it. And it's just yeah. like you're making it, we are making it even bigger because we're not dealing with it. It's an endless cycle because if you just addressed it, huh, it's a $50 problem. Mm -hmm. But because you're, because you are making it a problem already, it will become one. Mm -hmm. And that's the yeah. thing is it will become the problem that you're making it. And you have to break that cycle. And I keep saying this too, like you have to, you have to take ownership of it and stop blaming what you were taught or blaming your parents or blaming the fact that I never learned this in school. It's like what you just said, Marsha, like there's no excuse guys. We have the internet. You can, you can like, you can Google these things. I don't, I don't really like it when people Google these things and like come to me and say, Hey Shannon, I found out I can save all this money by oh. like, yeah, yeah but your Google is different than my Google because like I say to people, I get people ask me all the time. I'm like, honestly, like Google is my business partner. That's how I figure out half of my stuff. Yeah, but that's different. I'm not looking at it and going, I mean, can I ask you what is like what some of the most ridiculous things that people have made assumptions wise, money wise? Come on, this and just got to add a little bit to the. To the oh, answer. gosh, I have a. Um, I no, have a, of anyone. We're just saying these are. So no, no, no. Good. I have a secret file. It's, it's not going to be a secret now, but I have a secret file of clients say the darndest things. Oh, and I have a um, list of like things that I've been asked because like for when I get this question, because I always forget like certain mm -hmm. things that people have asked me. And the most recent one is um, people trying to offer classes online and they're saying donations accepted, oh, no. which, which, which means. <laughs> you already know where this is going. Yeah. Um, it says donations accepted, which to, to most people, it means two things. It could mean you're donating charity, but when you say donations accepted, what they're actually trying to say is pay me what you think is fair. Oh, like, okay. like pay me. It, it means like an open price, like donations are accepted. And the problem is that that can give the, the false impression that you're donating to charity because people yeah. can misunderstand that. And, um, the, the person who was doing that emailed me and said, well, I'm taking donations. So they're not, so the income I'm earning isn't going to be taxed. Oh no. And I'm like, no, that's not even close to what's actually happening. And just because you're using the word donations, you're actually just, just collecting tips. Like yeah. it's, it's an online tip jar to be honest. 
And yes, that, that income gets taxed, but just because you use the word donations doesn't mean you get out of taxes. Do you know how many people yeah. would be like, like you go to a restaurant and the menu says donation, $10. <laughs> That's not how it works. That's not how it works. It's, I saw another coach, I saw another coach post um, just like recently saying how they were opening up their coaching for pay what you can. Yeah. Right. And that's, I mean, one thing is that pay what you can, but yes, it's not donations. Like you start using donations. I think you're donating something and then they think that they don't have to pay taxes on it because they think it's a donation. Like what a messed up words that we're going through there. So much confusion and it's unnecessary. So my answer to that is write contributions of any value accepted. Oh, that's And then that's more like pay what you want. But when you use the word donations, people can really misunderstand that. So I've been trying to clear that up with some of our folks in the community. Um, I've also heard a lot of like uh, rumors about what you can deduct on your taxes in America because we have the business expense deductions and all that stuff. And there are some definitely some uh, ambitious deductions. People are trying to take really aggressive positions on what is considered a business expense. Mm-hmm. And um, unfortunately, I have to be the bearer of bad news sometimes that it may be too aggressive um, for us to take. So that's, I, think that's I, saw, I think I saw one of your posts about your cell phone. I just, I honestly broke out laughing right when I read it. I was like, oh my God, I love her sense of humor. <laughs> what did you say on that one about cell phones? I, said, I actually said this on a uh, webinar or a podcast and then I wrote it down because it came to me and I was like, I got to post that. That's hilarious. Um, because I got so passionate about sharing this where I said, so first of all, if you're, when you deduct um, certain things for business, purposes, you're probably thinking, oh, I use my cell phone for business all the time. I mean, how many of us are on Instagram trying to build business? So there's a rule that you can deduct a portion of your cell phone bill as it relates to your business. The problem is figuring out how much that percentage is because it's not like the old days where we had minutes where we could just literally compute the minutes on business and the minutes on personal and do some basic math. It's much more theoretical. Right. And so when someone asked the question about how, um, well, can I deduct a hundred percent, I'm going to deduct a hundred percent of my cell phone bill. And I said, well, if you're deducting a hundred percent of your cell phone bill for business, what are you calling your mother with? (laughs) And, And so basically that's my way of saying you have to have a personal and a business phone. If you're going to deduct the entire cost of a business phone for, for tax purposes, because you know, in this day and age, it's really hard to believe that a phone is a hundred percent business. No, exactly. Totally. I just, anyways, I just love that sense of humor. Yeah. Completely love that sense of humor because that's, that's so me. And so get it. Um, you are right now. So the best way for people to connect with you, find you, follow you, Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. I'm most active on Instagram. I also have a Facebook community that I'm pretty active in, but I post about that in my Instagram. So you will hear about everything if you follow me there. And uh, my website is fitnancialsolutions.com. That's the name of my company, Fitnancial Solutions. I love that. Um, Can I ask is, I have two questions for you. What impact do you want to have in this world? I want people to stop living in the uncertainty and actually feel confident about their own money and how it's being managed. I want them to own their own finances and not be afraid anymore. Mm -hmm. I love that. 
And have you seen, um, just from working with, just to give people a slice of hope for a second, have you seen work with people who really have turned their finances around in such a short period of time that it's like so doable? I just wanted to leave that little bit of hope there. If you've got any, you don't have to share names or just a story or any kind of feedback into that. No, and I would, I would never share names of clients or anything. It's just like a doctor. It's like not unethical for me to do so, but I can say I have worked with someone for a few months that, um, literally has avoided taxes for six years. Wow. Has not paid any taxes, has not responded to a single IRS notice, was starting to get garnishments out of their paycheck and was terrified because they were afraid they were going to, it was just, it was just the snowball was getting bigger. Snowball's huge, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And they heard, they actually heard me on a podcast Mm -hmm. talking about just money management tips for fitness professionals. This person is is a fitness professional and they reached out to me and they said, you know what, Shannon, this was kind of a wake up call that I needed that you made it sound so much less scary than it really is. And it sounds a lot like people starting their fitness journey for the first time, getting off the couch. Like mm-hmm. it's changing habits. It's doing things that are good for you, even though you don't like them necessarily. And it's about getting uncomfortable and being okay with that. And it's something that fitness professionals relate to because they all went through it at one point in their lives when it came to their health. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to teach them that this is just that experience again but I want you to think about how you feel now and the journey you've been on and the fact that you can do that again with your money. And this person I worked with literally is now teaching other fitness professionals how to track their money and how to do everything for their taxes. They got caught up with their taxes. They paid all the bills. Oh my gosh. Six luckily, years. Luck, yeah. Luckily they had, luckily they were in a financial position where they could pay most of what they owed or at least be on a payment plan that made total sense and was was totally um doable but it, it comes down to it's really i mean they're not even that scary and it's it's not as big a deal as you're making it it really isn't i think that just addressing it relieves a huge weight off your shoulder and it's well worth it i think that um now this person is out and preaching the importance of you know, getting ownership of your money. So this is someone who was literally hiding under a rock six to nine months ago. And now is, now is coming out and actually bringing this up actively um, and using their platform to do that. And I think that's one of the biggest aha moments and the biggest impacts that I love. Um, and it's why I do what I do to, to create that experience over and over again. I just love that because I think the freedom that you've given this person, like it's just, you've given them that permission and the freedom to deal with it head on. And now look at what they're doing. And to me, it just feels again, like we stand in our stories, we share from our experiences. That's what we do because we can't teach them anything. We haven't learned or lived. And this is something that this person has done, but you've given them permission to do that. And how many other people now as a ripple effect will feel this freedom from money to be able to go. Cause I know I've worked in the fitness industry for 26 years, more often than not, that is the story. I'm sorry to generalize, but I've worked in it so I can say it more often than not. People would be saying to me, you mean you paid your taxes? you paid your HST and like, yes, they actually can, they can garnish, like you can go in your accounts and take your money. Well, yeah, I don't think I make enough or I just make enough to stay under the table. 
I, I can't tell you how many, so, I mean, we have, so ours just different here. We have what, um, like our HST is a, um, so for animates, long story, but we, with that, you know, people would try and stay low enough income to be under the radar, but then frustrated because they're not getting the benefits of being able to write off certain expenses because they're not making enough money either. It's like, you can't do both. Like you can't, you've got it. You've got to treat it like a business. Yep. And I had actually a client who, um, wasn't claiming any of their cash before yeah. they were working with me. And here's the problem. That cash was a significant, like 40 to 50% of their actual yeah. income. And, and now they want to go buy a house. Yeah. 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 So, they have nothing on paper to show that they're making money. Yeah. Exactly. So now the, the bank is declining their mortgage application because they're saying you don't make enough money to pay this mortgage on paper. Mm -hmm. And what do you do with that? Because now it's, you know, you, you're kind of, you have to lay in the bed you made and, and all of these choices, you talk about own your choices. Mm -hmm. That was a choice. I literally said to them, you have to own your choice. You made that choice and you knew what you were doing in terms of avoiding taxes. But I promise you, it comes back around to bite you if you do that. You, you cannot do it. No, it's like a short-term win. I think for some people, they think of it as a short-term win. I'm, I'm in a regulated profession. So I, as a kinesiologist, we're regulated. I couldn't take, I can't take cash. It would be like against my license. Um, I'm grateful for that, to be honest. I am actually grateful because there have been times where people have asked me, I'm like, no, I can't. Like, I just can't, it's just not even, I'm not going to even honor it once. And I had a client once, um, again, not, but I had a client once who was a partner in a law firm who wanted to be able to pay cash for my services and wanted me to doctor a receipt that would show that she paid the full amount. And I'm like, uh, no, that's not going to happen. I actually lost her as a client, which is the best thing that ever happened. But she was mortified that I wouldn't do that. I'm like, how you're like a partner in a law firm. How can you expect this? But this was just, this is again, our money story, right? Like she was trying, she wanted to save the buck, but wanted the full benefits of what she was getting. Exactly. And it happens all the time. I have actually let go of several clients. It's not an easy conversation, but I've had to let go of several clients on the grounds of you're asking me to act unethically and I'm just not comfortable with that. And but when you say it that way, they have no counter argument to you. No. They, but it's, it's very important to stand your ground on that. And that's something else I learned in my career because I was involved in something like that. When I was in my, my firm, mm -hmm. I was involved in like an ethical issue, not something I committed, but I was brought into it as a witness and having seen the repercussions of what happens when you do that, it just, it kind of scared me senseless. <laughs> like I was just going, I never, yeah. ever want to ever be in that position where I'm doing anything that even questions me ending up in this seat. Mm -hmm. I, I never want to do it. It is not worth it. No. So don't go for the short-term wins if it has a long-term impact. Yeah. Love that. You've given us so many really good money tips and then just shared really your story and your passion of why you're here and what you're doing. And I thank you so much for that. Um, I want to ask one last question. If you have anything else you wanted to add, was there anything else that, yeah. I want to ask I, one last, go ahead. Nope. I, think, uh, I think that exactly that, and I just realized this connects back to my quote. 
which is the don't apply permanent solutions to temporary problems mm-hmm. because that is a permanent solution and a temporary problem. Don't make a long-term change. Don't do something that's going to affect you in the long-term because of something happening in the short-term that will end. And my dad gave me that advice when I was leaving my career at a big four firm because, or when I wanted to, actually when this ethical issue happened, I was only two years into my job. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified. I thought I was going to lose my license that I just got. I was freaking out. I was meeting with lawyers every so often. I was 23 years old. I didn't know what was going on. I was getting pulled down to Washington, D.C. to be deposed and recorded. Wow. Um, yeah, with the SEC. Um, there was a lot going on. It's not confidential or anything, but the, I'll spare, you the, spare the details for now. But I went through a very scary experience. And I tried to quit the firm. I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. This is crazy. And I got so frustrated. And my dad called me and told me that advice, which has never left my head, which was, Shan, do you like working there? I said, yeah, before this. And he's like, well, those people are going to go away. Mm-hmm. All the people that, that got you in this position are going to leave. Mm-hmm. And then what? You're going to go back to doing your job that you actually like. Mm-hmm. And that you're, you actually enjoy. And what's wrong with that? And I said, you know what? You're right. Because once these people are gone, I'll be happy again. Mm. And it was, the fact was that, that these temporary, situ- this um, temporary situation or these temporary circumstances, I didn't want them to govern my next career choice because I was about to jump ship and take a job that I didn't really want mm-hmm. because I was so desperate to leave that situation. And he said, be patient. This will make you a better person. This will make you stronger in your job. And you'll come out of this better at your job than you were before. And you'll be able to teach other people about this. Mm. He said, just be patient and don't apply a permanent solution to a temporary problem. That's a really powerful message. Thank you for tying that back to your first quote, because I think that really wraps it up well. But that's a really powerful, like I just think about that, and I think that really fits with right now, as everybody is in a panic state about what's happening, that, you know, they're cashing in things and losing tons that they, that just, it just doesn't need to happen right now. It's a, I'm not, I know this is a serious problem. I'm not saying it's not, but the situation that we're in, but it is temporary. It is going to pass in some way we are going to be we're working to I, I like to say that we're working towards a new normal like they are not going back people say I just want to go back to normal and like you know we're actually not going back we're actually not we're totally different people now this experience has changed us and shaped us it's impossible not to but that's a great way to look at it money wise is making decisions that really can help you in this temporary time yeah, I totally agree. And it's it's so important to just remember why you're doing what you're doing, like why you're invested, why, and and stick with that. That hasn't changed. No. The circumstances change, but the why doesn't. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Absolutely love that. Thank you so much for sharing everything that you have. I have one more question for you that I would love to hear your answer on. And that is what lesson in life are you the most grateful for? That exact lesson. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, that is the biggest lesson for me, but I think it's just to be unapologetic about if you have a question, if you don't know something, never feel like you have to apologize for not knowing something. And the other advice I love is we all reserve the right to get smarter. 
Oh, we all reserve the right to get smarter. That's so good. That's so good. Where'd you get that one? Where'd that one come from? A former manager told me that when uh, we were getting criticized for something we were doing and we had to pivot and turn back around and we made one decision and then realized, oh, that was probably wasn't the best decision. And we had to turn around and go back. And I think so many people are afraid of that. They're afraid of making a decision, afraid it's the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. But if you make a decision and then you learn more information and then you pivot, it's you're moving forward, not backwards because you're learning more and you're, you're moving on. And he used to say, we all reserve the right to get smarter. There's nothing wrong with changing your decision. Mm -hmm. I love that because this is a time of pivot. If there has ever been a time of pivot, you can, you have a chance to take an inventory stock of your business. What's working, what's not, where can I serve people better? What do I need to pivot in? Maybe this message isn't important right now, but wow, this one really is. It's just, it's all about the pivot and keep showing up. Absolutely. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time, energy, and expertise today. So appreciate it. I know there's tremendous value for everyone. So thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes, and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you, so please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember, when you own your choices, you truly own your life.